Well, welcome back to Raising Up the Next Generation. I'm your host, Dan McPherson, and my guest on the show today is Dr. George Guthrie. He is professor of New Testament at Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. He has a passion for equipping church leaders and lay people to read the Bible, to love the Bible. And he and his wife, Pat, live in Vancouver. They're called to teaching, mentoring, hospitality, some gardening, some fly fishing. They kind of do it all up there. And they have two grown children, Joshua and Anna. The topic of our conversation today is his book, A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. Dr. Guthrie, welcome to the show. Dan, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. I am excited as well. I think from a thinking about reading the Bible, it's it's such a a core piece of who we are as believers and what we're, you know, what I always tell students is it's God's word. This is how he speaks to us. So we should be we should be in it. We should be reading it. But what I am finding is that biblical illiteracy and getting in scripture is becoming less and less common even amongst believers Christians who have been following Jesus for a long long time and so i think your writing at this at this cultural moment i think is so important but i just want to start from from your perspective you've taught the bible all over the world why do you have a passion for scripture what gets you excited about reading the bible what gets you excited about teaching the bible well, one of the things that I've been saying lately, Dan, is that if if God has really spoken into the world, I mean, if that's a reality, that God has spoken into the world to tell us his vision for life, um, why he created us, who we're supposed to be as people, what his mission is all about, what he's up to in the world, um, there, there could be no more important thing that we would do on a daily basis then try to hear from God. You know, if God really has communicated with us, there is nothing more important than us hearing him well and trusting him on the basis of what he's communicated to us. So foundationally, um, if if revelation is real, you know, if, if this is, um, if the word of God is something that has been given to us by God to direct our lives, then there could be no more important thing than that we hear it and uh, respond to it and live it well in the world. So in terms of kind of big picture, um, that would be my answer for one reason I'm passionate about it. Personally, as I as I go on in life, uh, I find that for myself, reading the Bible in a rhythmic way, uh, hearing God's story, entering into it, responding to it, it's just foundational for my spiritual life. And uh, Pat and I have tried to raise our family in a way where that would be a, a foundation for our home and would shape us as people. So I think that um, in terms of big picture, uh, God has given us his word. And we need to respond to it in terms of our individual personal lives. It's it's the best way to live because God mm. shapes us by his word to be the people that he wants us to be. I love that you said you've tried to cultivate that in your home, and I'm gonna I'm gonna table that, but I'm gonna get back to that later. Maybe some practical things that you guys have sure. done as parents um, to come alongside your kids in that. But talk about the the book. What inspired you to write the book, and then maybe 
who is your intended audience for for the book? Who's going to pick that up or who are you hoping would pick that up? Right. Well, the publisher, B&H, approached me about doing this book as a tool that churches could use uh, that would kind of be a beginning place for people who have never had a class on reading the Bible before. Uh, you know, it's really, really interesting that we in the church, we hold up the Bible and we say to our folks in the church, this is the foundation for everything we do in the church. This is the foundation for your life as a Christian. And you need to read this. And good luck with Leviticus. I hope that goes well. You know, so what we do is we we hold this up and say, this is what you need. But very, very few churches have any form of regular training in how to read mm. this ancient body of literature. And so what the publisher was wanting to do um, was craft a little book that churches could afford. So you can actually buy this in bulk on Lifeway.com for, I think, a little under eight dollars a volume. So the idea was that churches could buy a whole bunch of them and then just hand them out to yeah. people uh, in the church, uh, use them with new believers classes, things like that as a place to begin. So the book is very much kind of cookies on the bottom shelf. Um, it's meant for people mm -hmm. who are just starting out and trying to figure out what it means to read the Bible. I Right now, my home church is taking about 100 people through this book. So my mom, my mom okay. and my brother and my niece are all going through the book right now, but that's the way it was meant to be used uh, as, as kind of basic training in a church. Yeah. Great. And kind of lay out where, kind of give us just an overview kind of summary of, of the book there. What uh, for, for someone who may be interested in, in implementing it, what, what's, where do you start with that? And then kind of what steps do you lay out for, for people there? Yeah, there are only six main chapters. Um, I start in a place that may not be very obvious to people, but I start with the, the condition of the heart. I basically say the most important tool in reading the Bible is the posture of your own heart. Uh, because if mm -hmm. our hearts are not where they need to be and are not receptive uh, we're not going to we're not going to hear what God says to us. We're not going to be receptive to it. Uh, in terms of statistics of where people are in the world, only about 16 percent of people in the church read the Bible on a daily basis. And yet surveys. Wow. Of say that. Say that statistics. Say that statistic one more time. Yeah. Only about only about 16 percent of people in the church read the Bible on a daily basis. If you move that wow. to a weekly basis, it, it pops up to about 32%. Um, but here's the thing that's striking. In surveys that have been done around the world over the past four or five decades on people's spiritual lives, the number one indicator of whether people are thriving spiritually is whether or not they're reading the Bible on a, on a regular basis. The number one indicator, mm. not whether they're going to church, not whether they're in a small group, but whether they personally are reading the Bible on a on a very regular basis, you know, a, every day mm. or approximately every day. And I think the reason for that is, if you think about it, if we have a rhythm in our lives where we're opening up our lives and our hearts to the Lord daily, 
and are being receptive on a daily basis, then that kind of primes the pump for all the other experiences that we have in Bible study or in church or whatever. So, um, so I begin the book with the condition of our hearts. I talk about the parable of the sower and how the preparation of the soil to be receptive to the word is, is critical. Um, so we start there and then we talk about the way that words work. Uh, God has given us his word in human language. And so we've got to deal with the word on the basis of the way human language works. Well, human language works on the basis of word meanings and context and things like that. So I kind of unpack that and talk about how can we read the Bible um, according to the way that words work. Then we look in chapter four at the issue of um, how we read the different types of literature that we have in the Bible. You don't read a, a a poem, a poetry like the Psalms, the same way that you read a letter, uh, such as the Book of Romans. You don't read apocalyptic literature, Revelation, the same way that you read the law in the Old Testament. So mm -hmm. we talk about beginning to think about the different kinds of literature, and people intuitively know this because, you know, if I pick up a, a comic strip and I read a comic whether it's online or whatever, I don't think that's history. It's not normally trying to reflect something about the facts of history. It's doing something else. If you, if you see a political cartoon online um, where, for instance, Putin is riding a big grizzly bear that has his paw on a guy on the ground and it has Ukraine by the guy on the ground. Well, nobody thinks that somewhere in the world, Putin is riding a, a literal grizzly bear. We intuitively know how to read that. So we have to kind of tune in to the different kinds of literature that we have in the Bible. Well, I would say, I would say that we, we, we think that, but then that doesn't translate often to when we read scripture. Right. So I think it's important. I think it's important to, delineate the difference of types of types of scripture and the the types of writing it's, I think is so right. important because we yeah. kind of just think of the Bible as the Bible and you know so so to think of it in different um, yeah. the, the different areas there I think is really important and yet God creatively inspired the scripture in all of these different forms of literature so we're, we're really respecting God's choice of how he has given us his hmm. word when we tune into those particular specific kinds of literature. And then uh, chapter five and six, chapter five deals with the story of scripture and how we can read the Bible as a grand story that, that God is calling us into. And then finally, chapter six is on uh, various tools that we can use. One of the wonderful things of the past 40, 50 years is the publishing that's gone on. Uh, even if you just keep it limited to kind of evangelicalism, you have all of these wonderful tools that have been published to help us read the Bible effectively. And so I kind of walk through some of the most basic tools that people need to kind of have at their side as they're learning to read the Bible. Yeah, man, so good and and such a helpful tool. Like I said earlier, and then you um, backed it up with statistics, biblical illiteracy is really an epidemic in our culture and society. And even, I mean, this, this, 
percentage of people who would call themselves Christians is, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's, you know, 60% maybe in a, in America, you're in you're in Vancouver, so it's probably a, lower a little here. bit different there, but <laughs> maybe even higher than sixty percent on in some studies, and then sixteen percent reading scripture every day, thirty two percent reading scripture weekly. Right. So let, let me why? just let me why just say a, let me just say a word about that, Dan, because I when I started out, um, the thing that uh, kind of launched me into this area of, of study and thinking and really feeling passionate about helping the church actually started with an initiative I did with Lifeway back in a, around 2011, 2012 called Read the Bible for Life. And, and we did that and over 50,000 people went through the training. In fact, you can still on lifeway.com go and get the training videos, which there are nine mm. videos on there. Um, but when I started out, we started that initiative because I was so concerned about the biblical illiteracy problem. Uh, over the years at the university, I used to teach at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. I taught there for 28 years. And over the years I was at Union, we saw the biblical literacy of our students decline very steadily. Uh, when we first started out, I had students who didn't know Amos 5. They had never seen you know, the great passage on let justice roll down like waters. Uh, by the end of my time there, I had students who had never read Mark 5 about Jairus' mm. daughter and the woman with the flow of blood. And so, you know, I was I was so concerned about this. But here's here's my conviction that the reason why we need to give attention to this in the church is not primarily because of the problem of biblical illiteracy. Hmm. It's because we have the opportunity to meet the God of the universe in the pages of Scripture. And that mm -hmm. is what changes us. It's not the negative yeah. problem that needs to be our focus. It is the opportunity. And you and I have, mm -hmm. the, have the chance to meet the God of the universe in the pages of Scripture. And, and that, that becomes absolutely transformative for us as we live in that, it will change us. It will change our families. And uh, so uh, I just kind of wanted to bring it around to that because I, for, for a while there, I was, I was kind of consumed with the problem, but over time, the spirit kind of, um, I think, you know, guided me into my own thinking about my life and the lives of other people. And it, it's much more relationally oriented than it is that, well, we just don't know the Bible anymore. Yeah, wow, good word. Really good word and convicting for me as I was uh as as I was asking and, and No, I'm with you, man. There, so. I'm with you. I understand. The, I understand the challenge yeah. where we are at the moment because the 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 alternate narratives and stories that are out there in the world are so shaping of of people in mm -hmm. our churches. And so mm -hmm. you're right. You're absolutely right. There's a there's a profound need at this cultural moment for us to have rhythms in our lives and our family lives that are shaping us according to God's narrative rather than allowing ourselves to simply be swept along by the culture. Because uh, I think it's Craig Bartholomew who says that, you know, if we, if we don't really tune into the story of scripture and we just kind of take scripture in a fragmented way, kind of piecemeal, then what we'll do is we will fit those fragments into the big cultural narrative that we're being fed every day of our lives. 
What we need is to have a rhythm of reading scripture uh, that is shaping us in terms of the grand story of scripture so that that becomes the dominant narrative of our lives rather than whatever the cultural narrative of the moment is. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Really good word. Love that. So I'm thinking about, you know, the, the teenager. So I'm a high school pastor, you know, that's where my, that's where my head is, you know, thinking, thinking about a teenager who's grown up in the church, who is familiar with the scripture or knows what the Bible is. Maybe they can even flip to Amos, but they're not in scripture regularly that, that your, your work is going to be super helpful for them. You know, whether not just a new believer who has, who has no concept at all, but really people who, who have been professing Jesus as Lord for, for a long, long time and share some encouragement, some, some advice for the teenager who says, well, reading, reading the Bible is boring or, Mm -hmm reading the Bible is, is really hard. I don't know where to start or reading the Bible is really confusing. What do you say to someone who, who comes to you and says that? Yeah. I mean, um, it is understandable. I can remember, I really started growing in my faith when I was in high school. Uh, I was a junior in high school. Um, and I, I can remember what it was like at that time I think I think that um, the the key for parents and for youth pastors and and others is to help teenagers have kind of the relational foundation of what is going on. You know, if they don't get that, if they don't really understand that this is about relationship, then mm. they're never going to read the Bible on on a regular basis. And so what we what we need to do is to invite them into context in our youth ministry programs and our families where we are, you know, trying to read the Bible in a way that is life giving um, in the teaching that we're doing, that kind of thing as as a beginning place. But what I would say to the teenager who is struggling um, is, well, uh, a couple of things. This is a skill that we have to learn, just like if if I'm playing quarterback for the football team or, or basketball or soccer or whatever, uh, you don't just go out there the first day and start excelling. You know, you, you, you really have to develop the skills and work on those skills. And there's a sense in which it's the same way with the Bible. So there's some basic skills that can really help us read more effectively. And we try to do that. And then also just having good tools. You know, if you're, if you're, um, playing baseball and you're going out and trying to hit a home run with a stick, you know, that, that really is not a, a, a good well-made bat. You're, you're not going to be very successful with that. So one of the things that I've done is I've built some helps into the, into the book. For instance, I have a chronological Bible called the day by day chronological Bible that people can buy on uh, Amazon. And it, it not only lays the readings out over a year's time, with daily reading for six days a week, but it also every day coaches you on how to read the portion for that day. And it kind of keeps you oriented to where we are in the story. So having that kind of thing, I'm reading through that tool again this year. Uh, 
I didn't do it last year. I used uh, I used another tool, but I'm back to using that tool because there's something about being able to get up um, and and just take 20 minutes a day, you know, to read through scripture, but not having to choose every day and not just trying to open the Bible, but actually being directed in that. And then the other thing that I would mm-hmm. say is do it with friends. Do it do it in a way that you and a couple of buddies are doing. If you're serious about your faith and you really do want to grow, you have a hunger for that, get a couple of other people who are as well and do this together and get together once a week and talk about it. Um, so there are ways that we can, can grow and uh, be passionate about the scripture that partly uh, is the responsibility of us as leaders and parents to kind of give our kids context in which they can develop that that hunger and that passion. But uh, part partly too is just you know if you if you catch a, a kid who is um, in a in a soft place in their heart before the Lord, then get them going you know on Scripture at that point, and that can help a lot. Yeah, good. Encouragement for the adult who is feeling they that they need a a fresh way to to read scripture. Maybe maybe they are feeling like they should they should know how to read scripture at at, at their age, whatever that means. Yeah. But but they're feeling convicted about being in the what's the eighty four percent who are not reading yeah. every day. Share some encouragement for for adults. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is uh, get some help and motivation. You know, um, mm. my I hope I hope this book would be help and motivation for people. It's very readable. It's something you can read in just a matter of two or three days. Um, so, I I would say start with um, start with with getting some help with it. It's it's not you know. The Bible is is a body of ancient literature. And again, it's not intuitive for us just to pick it up and start reading and feel like we know what's going on. So I am I'm I'm a I have a PhD in New Testament. I've been teaching the Bible for 30 something years now, um, at the university level and now the graduate level. I am still seeing things all the time and learning. Hmm. You don't you don't get over that. Right. I mean, I was reading in in my time with the Lord yesterday, the Joseph story. And I I saw for the first time that the first thing Joseph does when he reveals himself to his brothers is he gives them silver and he gives them clothing. And it hit me for the first time. I hadn't seen it before that when they betrayed him and sold him into slavery, they sold him for silver and they took his coat that his father had given him. Mm. And, yeah. you know, that clicked for me for the first time. And it was just cool, you know, to see that. Wow. So um, so we're all in the process of growing and, and seeing the beauty of what is actually there. And I would say uh, one of the first things you can do is get help and then think of that help in a graded fashion. So, for instance, my little book is meant for people who are just starting out. Um, the book that I wrote about a decade ago is called Read the Bible for Life. That's kind of a next step. And I talk about mm-hmm. that book in this book and also other other tools. But that book focuses a great deal on um, all kinds of things. But it has eight chapters on reading the genre of Scripture. 
So it talks about how do we read the Psalms? How do we read letters? That kind of thing. And I, and what I'm doing in that book is I'm interviewing fellow scholars who specialize in that part of scripture. So, mm -hmm. uh, so that book would be somewhere to go after you finish this book to learn more about reading up the kinds of literature. And then you take a book like Gordon Fee and, and Doug Stewart's book, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Well, it's even a little bit higher level than my Read the Bible for Life book. So, so figure out ways to keep growing, in other words, in your reading of Scripture and mm -hmm. in, in the hearing of Scripture, and then do it in community. I talk about that in, in the little book, um, but it is a whole lot easier to live in a rhythm of Scripture if you have other people around you who are, who are with you you know, and walking with you and, and giving you encouragement and you're, you're learning together, uh, then it's just a whole lot easier to, to do that if you're doing it in community. So those would be a couple of things just say, there is, there's joy to be found here, but you, you have to kind of, you can't expect to just pick up the Bible and open it anywhere and start reading and feel like this is going to work. Um, and I would say those of you in the church who are church leaders, it's partly to your responsibility to give people a context of learning where they can thrive in it, help them figure out mm, what it looks yeah. like to find those rhythms and then model the rhythms for them. Yeah. Good word. Great. So circling back to what you were talking about earlier, cultivating a, an environment of reading scripture together in the home, how can parents come alongside their kids in reading the Bible? Maybe something that you have written about that you where you talk about that. Maybe something from your own personal life where you and your wife have have cultivated that. How can how can parents come alongside their kids? Maybe maybe talk about several stages. So so kids yep. when they're yep. when they're young, and then also maybe um, you know teenage teenage years. Right. Um, in in the book I mentioned, read the Bible for life that I did uh, ten or twelve years ago. Um, my wife and I have a chapter in there. What I did in that book is I interviewed different people on how to read the Bible well in different areas. And I, I mentioned you have the eight chapters on genre, but there's a, a chapter in there on how to read the Bible with the family. And I interviewed my mm -hmm. wife on how we how we did that in our family. So people might want to take a look at that chapter. Um, but yeah. I'll mention a few things. First of all, when the kids were really small, before they were even reading, we were reading to them from things like the Jesus Storybook Bible and other other children's Bibles. Uh, when they were going to sleep at night, they could either listen to uh, Jesus songs, like uh, my my. I have a close friend, Michael Card, who's a you know. Uh, Christian mm -hmm. singer. Yeah, I listened to Michael. I yeah. listened to Michael Card. Yeah, so Mike and I are good buddies, but we used his uh, Sleep Sound in Jesus CD mm -hmm. to for our kids to listen to, um, which is just wonderful. And we gave yeah. we've given that CD away to about a thousand people, I think, uh, for for baby showers. But uh, so they so the kids could listen to uh, music, or they could listen to Bible stories. Um, and there are ministries out there that do these Bible narratives that are very faithful to Scripture, where, where kids can go to sleep at night listening to the story of the Bible. So I remember when my daughter was about six years of age, we had gone to see a Veggie Tales movie. 
And it was one where they were, uh, it was the Battle of Jericho, and they were throwing slushies off of the wall of Jericho, I think is what they were doing. And my six-year-old turned to me and said, Dad, that's not in the Bible. like that. <laughs> so so she knew the story of scripture enough to know uh, that the slushies, you know, weren't there uh, in, in the story of the Bible. So when the kids were small, we did that. We did have periods of time where we would read the Bible together, or for instance, uh, when we came home after church and had lunch, we would talk about the sermon day. We did, we had, Sundays were kind of a, a special day of rest for us. I know for those of you who are on church staffs, they're not the day of rest for you, but they were uh-huh. they were a special Shabbat or Sabbath for us. And so we would have conversations uh, over, over lunch and talk about the Bible. Um, one of the things we emphasized though in our family was teaching the kids to have their own time with the Lord. And so they would go, they would sit on their beds and as they got old enough to read, they were reading small portions of the Bible themselves and and praying to the Lord, you know, just briefly. But but we kind of cultivated that habit in them and um and, and kind of helped them get in some rhythms in life. And then, you know, eventually uh they've got to take take on the responsibility for that themselves. But my son, for instance, is 31 and he just was talking to me about getting back into that rhythm for himself of reading every morning and praying and, and that kind of thing. So uh, so those would be some of the ways that we can kind of cultivate that in the family. But but part of it, too, is having a, an attitude and a posture where you're, you as the parent are always growing and open, and your kids are actually seeing that shape your life. One of the things that may impact them more than anything else is if at times when they get up in the morning and they come down to have breakfast, they actually see you at the breakfast table reading your Bible. I mean, it's it's just hard to oh it's hard to overstate mm. how important that kind of thing is because they not only learn from our teaching what we say, they learn from how we live. If you're a parent that you don't really in your own life care much about the Bible and you don't give time to it. And I can tell you, you can know that you do care about the Bible if you're giving attention to it and spending time in it, even though it's not, not easy to do, you're, you're finding a way. Um, And that speaks more to your kids. And for those of you on church staff, when you actually share out of your own life, not in a prideful way, but just it becomes natural for you to share what God's teaching you and your, you know, in your own time with the Lord. That becomes a powerful example, uh, becomes a paradigm for other people to to follow. And it's just really important that there's that kind of integrity going on in those who want to influence kids. So so that that would be some of what I would say. Yeah, I love that. So you mentioned at the <clears throat> at the beginning. You ha- there, and actually, your church you said is is taking about a hundred people through through your book. But how would you recommend that to be used, kind of in a in a group context? I know it also can be used individually, where um, I just read that myself and and kind of um, learn how to read the Bible better. But in a group, do you would you would you suggest going through it in six weeks? Would you um, kind of talk about you know this with the six chapters? Um, what would be your suggestion there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
Yeah, the nice thing about it is it's it's laid out in about six movements. And so you could take one movement a week. They're short chapters and they have questions at the end of each chapter. So it's kind of set up for small group use. Uh, that would be a very natural way to do it. Uh, what my home church, from what I understand, I haven't talked to the guy who's running it, but uh, my mom's told me that what they're doing is they're just taking a chapter a week and then they they come together and the leader kind of unpacks some things from the chapter. And I think they have a chance to talk about it a bit. Um, so so that that would be a, a foundational way. I mean, one thing that churches could do is just start with that. Say, you know, once once a year or twice a year, we're going to run a class and just give a chance for people to kind of go through this class and learn how to read together. The other thing that uh, we did back when we were doing the Read the Bible for Life initiative that was very high impact is they did the training using the book. Now, the book, that book is 16 chapters, the Read the Bible for Life book, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, the video series that you can get in digital form on Lifeway.com is nine sessions. So what a church could do is run uh, you know, this little book as a beginning place. And then maybe six months later, do the read the Bible for life material mm. and kind of go through that. But one of the things that churches did back in that earlier initiative is the whole church went through the nine session training, and then they took a year to read through the Bible together as a church. And they used, we have free reading plans on my website and, uh, and what churches did that was very high impact was then in that year of reading through the Bible together, they also had small group discussion. And then the pastor would choose one passage from the reading for the previous week as the focus for the sermon on Sunday. Oh, yeah. So in a year's yeah. time, people were reading the Bible individually. They were discussing it in small group. And then they were reading, they were having a culminating worship experience built around one passage from the reading for the previous week. And yeah, that wow. kind of holistic approach to things for some churches was very high impact. In fact, in some places you had several churches in town doing that and people were kind of talking over the back fence, you know, in their backyards about what they were reading and stuff because their neighbors were reading the same passage they were, you know, on the regular basis. Mm. So so that is uh, that's one of the things that could do. And if, if there's anything that I could leave people with, whether it's in the family or in the context of the church, um, if you want a reality to take place, if you want to shape your community in a certain way or shape your family in a certain way, then you have to be proactive in going after that. You can't just think it's going to happen just, just because. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is, for your own life, for your family life, for your church life, have a vision for what reading will do in shaping the kind of life that God wants you to have. And then make decisions that will work, work that out in your life. And for us as readers, that involves just giving space enough, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day to focus on scripture make space in our lives. All of us get 24 hours in a day. All of us do. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got the same amount of time. Uh, it's just a question of priority of what we're giving our time to. Um, 
many of us spend far more than 30 minutes a day on social media. And so uh, making that space in the context of the church, making the space to be serious about training people and then giving them a context in which they can process what they're learning. Um, but having that vision and then following through with action that will actually flesh out and embody the vision, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Thanks for that. Giving a lot of different options there, ways to, to utilize those resources. So you've mentioned a lot of different places, uh, where people can find those, whether that's Amazon, Lifeway, your website, but maybe um, explicitly kind of lay out several places where, where people can go to find your work and, um, and the resources that, that we've talked about. Yeah, a couple of things you could do. <clears throat> you can go to my website, which I don't blog regularly like I used to on the website, but there are a lot of uh, helpful resources on there and a lot of older blog posts that deal with reading the Bible. So that's just georgehguthrie.com. And maybe you can put whatever your notes are that you give people, but georgehguthrie.com, you can go there. If you go to amazon.com and just search for my name, George H. Guthrie, then that will pull up a number of these resources that I've talked about, including commentaries I've written and other other things like that. Um, Then if you get this book, I very intentionally kind of walk through what I think are the best uh, tools for reading through the Bible, not just mine, but others as well. Um, <clears throat> the best study Bibles, for instance, those kinds of things. So this little book will actually walk you through a number of the best tools for reading the Bible more effectively. So I would say that that would be a good beginning place. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll put all those in in the show notes there. Well, this has been a great conversation. I um, am excited for to even just for your passion of just scripture and 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 getting in the word and um and seeing it more as a as a relationship with with God and just talking with God moving from a place of of not just head knowledge but um but to a relationship has been so encouraging to finish I ask all my guests two questions and the first is what is one thing that you are learning that you're reading, that you're listening to right now, that's encouraging you or challenging you. Mm, wow, that's a that's a great that is a great question. Um, yeah, one of the one of the things that I am listening to. My wife just had me listen to it yesterday. There's a young woman named Sarah Clarkson who um, is in the UK. She's in Oxford and. She uh, just had a, um, a a video post on on reading, on being a reader generally, and I I found her talk there just very very stimulating and, and thought provoking of how reading shapes our imagination of the way that we see the world and draws us into mm-hmm. imagining what God may be doing in our lives and that. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm reading right now that is is very stimulating. I, I do read fiction and historical fiction, so I just actually read a uh, uh, a book called The Lonesome Gods by Louis L'Amour, and uh, okay. it, and I always find his his uh, novels to be very 
basic and easy to read as I'm going to sleep at night or whatever. But it was it was a, a novel talking about the founding of Los Angeles back in the 1800s. And the characters are kind of around this bustling thing going on. So I love historical fiction. So that in terms of yeah. some of the things I'm reading right now, that's what I'm reading. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And then the second question, the title of my podcast is Raising Up the Next Generation. So who was someone that saw you as the next generation who has believed in you, spoken into your life, and raised you up? Well, so many. Um, yeah, I would I would say, you know, there's so many people along the way. My, my pastor, when I was very, 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 very young in the church— um, was the one who baptized me, but but I would say even more foundational than that were, were my parents, my my mom and my dad. My dad has gone to be with the Lord. My mom's still alive, but you know my earliest memory was um, a big red uh, Bible story book open in in the middle of the living room floor, and my dad from earliest memory was walking me down Troy Avenue in Dyersburg, Tennessee, to go to church every Sunday. You know, he, he was walking me and my brothers when my brothers came along. And um, and so my dad was was a, a, a quiet man. He wasn't trained in, you know, biblical studies or, or anything like that. But he just modeled for me uh, what it looked like to be a good man who was who was trying to, to walk with God and try to love his family and trying to be faithful in the church. And so certainly he he was the foundational influence for me. And, and got me started in, uh, in being very connected to the church. And then, then the Lord used other people like my pastor and my youth pastor when I was in high school and, you know, professor in college and then a professor in, in seminary and on and on it goes. Yeah. So those are some of the yeah. folks who had a big impact on me. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Well, Dr. Guthrie, thank you so much for joining me today, talking about your book. I know it will be helpful for so many and blessings on you as you continue to teach and, um, and mold young minds of tomorrow and, uh, and continue to, to teach the Bible blessings on you and your wife and, um, and thankful, thankful for your heart for ministry and, and heart for scripture. So well, thanks thank for you, joining Dan, me today. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. I hope you were encouraged by that conversation. Dr. Guthrie gives such practical tips on how to read scripture, how to get into God's word. And I love his heart for it being a relationship that we're getting to know God better. This is how he speaks to us. So encouraging. Everything we talked about is in the show notes for you. All of those books and resources, you can go there and find those. So take advantage of that. Next week, I am welcoming Dr. Matthew Sleeth back to the show talking about his book, Reforesting Faith. So you will not want to miss that. Hit that notification bell. But until then, blessings on you as you are raising up the next generation where you're at. We'll see you next week.